Well, it's now been um, two weeks uh, since our Dharma sister, Linda Decker, Kyoji Linda Decker. This picture is on our altar. Uh, died two weeks ago yesterday. And this past week, um, we, small group of um, friends, close friends and family, uh, witnessed her cremation. And we, we chanted um, for her uh, swift passage through the bardo into uh, nirvana. Uh, and now we'll be planning a memorial service, public memorial service uh, here at the Dharma Center uh, sometime in the not too distant future. Uh, so uh, we'll be saying a lot of things about Linda then. I'm no, I don't want to say too much now, but I, I, um, I did want to say that Linda was uh, someone who knew what she liked and knew what she didn't like. And she was pretty clear about those things. And uh, but what she, what she did like and what she loved was very clear. Uh, she, she loved her family. Her, she had a small family, uh, uh, her son and grandson um, and her partner. Um, excuse me, his partner, and um, and she uh, loved the Dharma. Uh, and uh, one of she told me once that um, one of her favorite passages was from the uh, fascicle uh, called uh, Zenki, which was quite. Uh, congruent since the day before she passed uh, we were here in this room uh, hearing a talk uh, a couple of talks on uh, this treatise or this essay by Dogen uh, from um, Kokio Henkel and he gave a wonderful teaching on this relatively short essay um, by Dogen, uh, title is Zenki. It means um, the whole works or uh, the entire function or uh, in another translation, um, it means uh, undivided activity. Oh, undivided activity. So, you, you know, no, uh, nothing, nothing outside of of, uh, or, or nothing, you know, nothing distracted, <laughs> no, no distracted attention activity, but complete uh, concentrated activity. Uh, and so there was, Linda had told me uh, some time ago uh, that there was a particular passage, it's a well-known passage in this, in this text that she loved. It was one of the things she really loved. She 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 really loved literature. I mean, she she loved poetry, uh, and she loved good writing, and she loved Dogen's uh, uh, essays because they are both poetic and good literature, and also they are dharma. 
So I want to read you this one passage that we studied and that that Linda loved. Uh, life. Dogen says, Dogen says birth, but I'm 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 translating it as life. I think he he he, he interchange the translations interchange birth and life, but I think birth is standing in for life in this. In his, in his work. A life, he says, is just like riding in a boat. You raise the sails and you row with the oar. Although you row, the boat gives you a ride, and without the boat, no one could ride. But you ride in the boat, and your riding makes the boat what it is. Investigate a moment such as this. And it goes on. Uh, when you ride in a boat, your body and mind and the environs together are the undivided activity of the boat. The entire earth and the entire sky are both the undivided activity of the boat. Thus, life is nothing but you and you are nothing but life. So the original, or another translation is, birth is nothing but you. You are nothing but birth. And then finally, uh, the the line uh, that follows this, uh, Dogen quotes, as he often does, uh, other than masters. And he often gives a short quote from his Zen master and then takes off from there, uh, explicating it and, and adding his own understanding. Anyway, he quotes uh, Zen master Yuan Wu, uh, who said, life is undivided activity. Death is undivided activity. Uh, or... Uh, You could also say life, this life manifests the whole works and our death or death in general manifests the whole works. So life and death are, you know, there's, as we know, they're a cycle. They're a cycle. And now, you know, now it's spring and we're seeing, you know, life bursting out everywhere. Life is, is, there's a riot of life happening right now, of growth, of new leaves, of new blades of grass, of uh, flowers uh, blooming. And inevitably, this cycle will come around and uh, the leaves will fall and the grasses will die and the flowers will wilt. And this is the whole works one manifestation of the whole works of which we are an intimate part. We are totally integrated with this. We are not one bit separate from this cycle of the whole works. We are living now and we will all die. So uh, I don't want to give uh, Kokio's retreat over again. He 
he gave us a very wonderful uh, a lot of background on this treatise and uh, some references to koans that it that so forth and so on that I can't possibly you know and I don't want to give his retreat over again. I think we we might have captured the last half of it on uh, uh, recording. Uh, is it there? Okay. Great. So we got the uh, we got the last half on the website. Both. The first half too. Oh. Okay. <laughs> we have the whole the whole day recorded on the website. Some some three hours of discussion and talk and discussion. So if you want after my talk, if you want to go more deeply into Zenki, you can go really deeply into it with that recording. Um, so what I wanted to focus on is the the implication uh, of this uh, teaching uh, for our practice, um, because I think and not only is the, is there a, like a truism about life and death, but there's also a, there's also some truisms about our practice here. See, because I uh, and I used to hear this when I used to hear this this. Um, Teaching, I thought of, I would always think of it in terms of what my practice is, and I thought, well, yeah, my practice is just like riding in a boat. I raise the sails and I row with the oar. In other words, I practice, you know, the I, I enact the forms of practice. I, I uh, actively participate in in my sitting. I sit upright. I, I let's just say I endeavor to sit upright. I endeavor, you know, not to uh, sleep during zazen. You know, I, I endeavor not not to let my head fall forward, which is a habit I have. So I, I often, you know, bring my head back up uh, upright and make sure that it's sitting as much as possible right on top of my shoulders. And I, I, I remember, uh, oh, I think there's a teaching about not letting your mind wander. So I tr when, I, when I find my, my mind wandering in zazen, I, I, I say, oh, my mind has been wandering. I, I, I vow to come back you know, to this present moment, this present embodiment, this present room, this present time with these people here now uh, so you know there's this this is kind of uh, the aspect of our practice of being you know somewhat strict with ourselves right uh, not 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 uh, not indulging the wandering mind uh, not using zazen as a, a, a place to plan our next move in life um, not fantasizing and so forth, or when we find ourselves in those kinds of activities, uh, dropping, dropping those kinds of activities, and 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 even though sometimes it, it seems rather wrenching, <laughs> um, we come back uh, to, uh, and I always think, come back to the body, come back to the body, come back to your posture, and and continue to settle and relax right here. 
So, uh, you know, this is, this is raising the sail in rowing with the oar. And this is kind of like the, the, the self-discipline side of our practice. And we, we do have like a self-discipline side of our practice. Um, but if all that, if that was all that there was, that if that's all that practice was, I don't think we would be inspired uh, to continue, perhaps. If it was all just, um, you know, taking oneself in hand and um, being very, you know, kind of active and proactive in the process, you know, raising the sail, rowing the oar, you know. And, you know, maybe there's a phase in our practice where we do need to be very strict and, and very active in the practice. But there's also another side, and it's important um, uh, to to uh, be aware of and uh, uh, listen for or um, put out put out your feelers for the other side of our practice and the other side is um, although you row the boat gives you a ride and without the boat no one could ride this is a very this is a very important point. Uh, this is the this is the point where uh, well, just as it said, the boat gives you a ride. So uh, this is the receptive side. You know, the, there's one side is 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 self discipline and taking ourselves in hand and not letting the mind wander and so forth. And the other side is just sitting, uh, letting the boat, letting the total function, the entire, the whole works, give you a ride. And uh, it may take, you know, some time in your practice to uh, understand or feel how the, how the activity of zazen is 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 supporting you and encompassing you and buoying you up and carrying you. So, and this is not this is not something. This is actually not something you do or at all. You can you can invite that. You can invite the boat to give you a ride. You know. That's okay. I, I would like the boat of this practice to give me a ride. I, I'm, I'm up for that. I'm ready for that. I'm ready to let go of my ideas about where the boat is going, what kind of a boat it is, uh, uh, you know, how fast I'm, the boat is going, how fast I'm going to get where I want to go. I'm really, let, that has nothing to do with it. You know, it's just, it's just letting the boat give you a ride, letting the, the energy of your practice carry you. And as I say, you know, it may take some time uh, before um, you encounter that, but I don't think it takes too much time. And 
that's why we're here, you know, to give it, to give practice that time. To give, to give ourselves that time to be carried, encompassed by, surrounded by the energy and wealth of our practice. Uh, to recognize that we, we don't do this just by, you know, willpower or you know, our, our, uh, some kind of, um, determination. Determination is important. I don't, I'm not denigrating determination, but if we, we, but we, we should see, uh, that, uh, that we do, as Dogen says, we do this practice with the entire sky and the great earth together. That's how this practice really functions. If, it ha- but it has these two sides. It has this active side and it has this more receptive side. And these are always, these, these are always playing, playing back and forth. And sometimes the mood of your practice be, may be more active, may be more, de- you know, kind of have this kind of energy and determination. And other times it may, um, you may just drop all sense of that you're doing anything and, and, and notice and just see, see where, where is this energy coming from? Just, just participate in that. You're just participating in something. And these two, so you might, you might just see that those two sides of practice. You could call those, you know, the active side, the yang side. Devin here is a, is a qigong master. And uh, I think so. And um, so I know he's familiar with, you know, the yin and the yang, the real active and, and the, the, the just letting it flow. So uh, I think that this passage that I read is bringing, is bringing uh, this kind of uh, teaching forward and and, and, it, and it, this I think this teaching is um, this kind of uh, showing the two side these two sides of our practice shows up uh, and when I was thinking about this many other teachings started to come into mind that are kind of showing these two two sides of our practice so I I'll talk about a little bit about um, these other teachings that I think uh, complement this view. So there's uh, a teaching in the the Song of the Jewel Mirror Samadhi. Uh, That's a chant that we do here with some frequency. And it says, uh, Now there are sudden and gradual in which teachings and approaches approaches arise. Uh, Once basic approaches are comprehended, then there are guiding rules. But even though the approach is comprehended, uh, even though the uh, basis is reached, even though the basis is reached and the approach comprehended, here's the punchline, true eternity still flows. 
return few still flows. So I'll read that again. Now there are sudden and gradual in which teachings and approaches arise. Once basic approaches are comprehended, then there are guiding rules. But even though the basis is reached and the approach comprehended, true eternity still flows. So the first couple of lines are a reference to a debate that took place in this in Tang Dynasty, China, uh, about enlightenment. And there were some people that thought uh, enlightenment happened, you know, in a flash, in an instant. You know, it, was, it was sudden. And there were other. There was another school that thought, no, enlightenment is a very gradual process. It's composed of uh, many insights along the way until we gradually uh, become enlightened over time. Uh, so the here in the in this. Song of the Jewel Mirror Samadhi, uh, he, he's not taking sides in this debate. He's not, he's not taking sides. He says, now there is sudden and gradual in which teachings and approaches arise. Okay, so there's just teachings and appro- approaches. One is gradual, one is sudden. They've arisen. Fine. <laughs> now there are guiding rules. Now there are guiding rules. So we need to know, so, so based on whether we, you know, think enlightenment is sudden or whether we think it's gradual, uh, we have some rules. And you saw some rules tonight. Uh, we enacted some rules tonight in our practice. Uh, we did some uh, uh, bells at a certain time. The bell is hit, struck at a certain time to call people to zazen. And the bell is stuck, struck at a certain time uh, when uh, the priest bows and so forth. And sometimes there's a rule that when the priest bows, you don't hit a bell. And sometimes there's, there, there's, a, there's a, uh, a time when, you, when the priest bows and you do hit a bell. And so these are the guiding rules. Um, and there's actually in Zen, there's quite a few of them. <laughs> And it takes quite a few a, a long time to learn all the rules, and sometimes the, there's debate about the rules and and uh, so forth. Or sometimes the rules change. Um, but the text here again is saying, even though there's rules, and we need rules to to do this practice, we need rules. Uh, to, we, it's good to follow some rules, and when everybody is following the rules, just so it makes a beautiful ceremony. When everybody is just knows the rules and is following the rules, uh, but even if people aren't following the rules, it's still a beautiful ceremony, even if they don't know the rules. And so, despite the rules, which are still, you know, I'm not denigrating the rules, but despite the rules, even though we have them, we should remember that true eternity still flows. So true eternity is kind of a funny word, you know, for us, you know, who are raised in a Judeo-Christian background, right? It sounds like, uh, you know, infinite time or something like that. Or, uh, uh, yeah, something, some incomprehensible length of time. Um, But uh, that's really not the way it's understood here. It's... um, 
it's understood as momentariness that never ends. And there's a difference. It's not talking about some continuity of time that goes on forever. It's talking about this moment, this moment, this moment, this moment, this moment. That never ends. It's a little subtle difference. And and this is a te- this is also a teaching about awakening. This is a teaching about waking up. So even though um, we have different approaches to practice, we we might be practicing Rinzai Zen in this assembly, or we might be practicing Soto Zen in this assembly. And some of us might have trained at one place where they hit the bells differently and so forth. And so we have to work on that, you know. But even despite all of these things, um, true eternity still flows. And that is uh, like, don't forget, the boat gives you a ride. And without the boat, no one could ride. It's just the same. Just remember that aspect of your practice. You have a lot of rules. You're going to sit up straight. You're not going to let your mind wander and so forth. And you're going to let go of the rules and and just be. Right in the midst of the rules. So um, I was... Uh, I was recently at San Francisco Zen Center. There was um, what they call a mountain seat ceremony, and that's where someone new ascends to be the abbot of the center. And so there was a weekend of two people uh, ascending the mountain seat at San Francisco Zen Center, and I listened at the beginning of this weekend uh, to a talk by uh, Huitsu Suzuki, who for those who don't know is the son of Suzuki Roshi. And if you don't know who that is, he was the founder of San Francisco Zen Center many, over a half century ago in 1958 or nine. Um, so this, his son is still, still in the body and he gave a lecture to kick off this wonderful set of ceremonies to have people. Um, but he's not, he's not, uh, Huitsu is not uh, fluent in English or he is but he's not comfortable speaking in an assembly in English, so he had a translated. He had a translator, a, a, a Japanese man who had good English, and a priest, and he was translating for Huitsu. And uh, at one point uh, in the in the lecture, uh, Huitsu used the term. Um, I hope I'm not throwing too many terms out tonight, but he used the terms. The term "jiju uh, yuzumai." Uh, which uh, which means um, self-receiving or self-fulfilling samadhi. And samadhi is meditation. Samadhi is, is this what we call we call it here is zazen, um, but it's samadhi is meditation. It's you know concentrated awareness. It's focused awareness. It's yeah, like let's just say that. So we have this, the Dogen, this fellow from, who's our first ancestor in uh, Japan, came up with this term called uh, Jiju Samai, 
which means self-fulfilling or self-receiving uh, uh, samadhi or self-receiving meditation. And what that means is that uh, this meditation is, uh, is, is done only for its own sake. This this, this 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 meditation is done for the sake of this meditation. It fulfills itself. It receives itself. It receives you, too. But it it it's it's a self-fulfilling samadhi. It it's its own justification. It needs nothing extra or outside to justify it. It it is complete within itself. So. Anyway, this is kind of long-winded to get around to my point, but uh, the translator heard Jiju Yuzumai, which we translated as self-fulfilling or self-receiving, and he said his first translation was self-freeing samadhi. Self-freeing, and then he said, and then he, but he was unsure. He thought, oh, that's wrong. He, He he knew it was wrong, or it wasn't literal anyway. And uh, somebody in the in the in the in the crowd corrected him. And he, oh yes, that's the self-fulfilling samadhi. He said, but I loved self-freeing samadhi. But um, the only problem with self-freeing samadhi and why it's not really quite right is the self can't free the self by itself. That's the problem, and that's why we need the boat. Because no one can do it on their own. We need Sangha. We need Dharma. Uh, we need Buddha. We need uh, the entire sky and the great earth. In other words, uh, the word we you know we need when we are immersed within an interdependent, co-arisen situation, and we need that whole situation to free this being. So, uh, yes, self-fulfilling samadhi. Anyway, that's that's my point. (laughs) I'll leave it there. (laughs) Uh, So how are we doing? Are we keeping up with this? We looked at our watches. Everyone looked at their watch because I looked at my watch. <laughs> Would you like me to say some more? Would you like to say something? I have more to say. Okay. Uh, so anyway, it just so happens that uh, recently, not that long ago, I, I gave a, a talk um, on uh, the... Uh, term, or on Dogen's essay, I don't think I really covered the whole essay, but he wrote an essay uh, on this, uh, basically on this topic of Jiju Yuzumai, and uh, we chant that that essay sometimes here in, 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 this, um, in this endo, and the opening lines of that uh, chant are, uh, now all ancestors and all Buddhas uh, are sitting in the midst of self-fulfilling samadhi. 
now all ancestors and all Buddhas, maybe it says something like throughout space and time or something like that. I think I'm missing some words in there. But the key words are um, now all ancestors and all Buddhas are sitting in the midst of self-fulfilling samadhi. And um, I felt at that time that when I read that line, and this is how, how sometimes it works with these chants that we do, uh, some, sometimes you can have read this, this chant you know, a thousand times, or you've chanted this chant a thousand times, and then something leaps out of you, out of you, all of a sudden something new that you just didn't hear it that way before. And what struck me was that um, this Jiju Zamai is it, we're, 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 we're practicing in the midst, we're practicing in the midst of it. So uh, it's a different understanding to think that um, you're um, doing things under your own power, you know, that you do this practice. You row the boat, you, you pull with the oar. You know, it's a different understanding uh, of your practice if it's like that versus practicing in the midst of self-fulfilling samadhi. Because then you think, well, I'm in the midst of this, this meditation. Uh, I, I can't put a claim on it. I can't put a, I, it, I don't. I, I don't I didn't I don't do this meditation. I practice in the midst of this meditation, and it's a different understanding uh, to to situate yourself that way, to situate yourself in the midst, uh, because then it's something it's it's something much larger than than your individual effort. Some something much bigger than your individual effort and not so dependent on your individual effort. Uh, it's uh, what you could say Suzuki Roshi called practicing in the midst of big mind, big mind, a mind that is uh, not um, some some quotes now come to my mind, but it's too far away for me to get. But anyway, um, it, it's not strictly your your own endeavor. In fact, even though you make this big endeavor, um, it's good to be able to understand it not as your own endeavor. And that appears to be how uh, Dogen understands it, uh, because he he you know always talks about practicing you know together with all beings. You know uh, he 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 says that trees, walls, tiles and pebbles, all those inanimate objects are doing this practice too. Like the entire function is doing this practice. 
And that is, of course, a, a pretty um, high spiritual vision. There's no doubt about that. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a spiritual vision of what we're doing. Um, and if it's presented in the right way, it's kind of easy to buy into and join with. And it motivates us to, you know, want to practice with that kind of understanding, not as something that we do under our own power. So this is, here's my here's my last little story, and I will stop. Uh, the the other day, the other day I was swimming, and which is what I do for exercise. I go swimming several times a week in a pool. And uh, this week I was swimming in my pool that I go to, and I was. I guess thinking about this topic and this talk, and I thought of Dogen again. And I thought of his words in another essay called uh, Genjo Koan. Called Genjo Koan. Uh, and you could say uh, that means um, the, 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 the issue, or um, uh, yeah, like of what's up now, of, of what's right here now. What what is what is happening right now? What is the what is the situation? What is the what is the actual present moment calling out, calling for, you know? The situation of the present moment, Ginjo Koan, like what's happening right now. So anyway, that's the name of Ginjo Koan, and uh, there's a lot more they could say about that, perhaps even more accurately than I am saying it. But um, anyway, there's a line in that text. Excuse me for representing, you know. Uh, I'm, if I'm if I'm uh, referencing too many different texts, uh, but in any case, there's a line in there about a fish and a bird, and and and, and the the line the lines are like this. It says, uh, uh, no matter how uh, far uh, a fish swims in the water, I was swimming right, so this is why. I, no matter how far a, swift, a, a, a fish swims in the water, it never reaches the end of its element. And uh, it also, no matter how uh, far a bird flies in the sky, it never, uh, or in the air, it never reaches its ele- end of its element either. Um, and, he, and he says, you know, if the bird or the fish leave their element, they would die at once. They would die at once, which is true. 
so, but he, at the end of this paragraph, which is a beautiful paragraph, he says, uh, he says something like, um, and I could make more analogies about this than, than this one I just made, this analogy of the fish and the bird. So you know that, uh, in other words, when you read that at the end of the paragraph, you know, oh, he's, oh, he's making an analogy. He's actually, what is, what is he saying about me? <laughs> you know, what is he saying about us who practice? Uh, so, and, and then, the, then the question is, uh, what, what is our element? What element are we completely, you know, uh, dependent on? What, what, what is that element? And this is actually a question, kind of a question I had very early in my practice, or even before I was practicing, is like, what is my element? You know, where, where, where should I be living? Where should I, how should I be living? In what manner should I be living? And how should, and, and is there some element or is there some environment in, in which would be optimal for me to live in? And uh, the teaching, uh, as I understand it, for us, that's being, going back to the beginning of this talk, is, is, um, the the element that we're in you know we tend to think it's called life and it's very good to say okay the element is just is just life and 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 if you really concentrate on that our element is life and we have we have we have we are we have been giving given this, what I will call precious life, we've been given this precious life. We are alive. And that in itself is our element. But also what Dogen says is not quite, you don't, that got 80% maybe, you know. He says the element, the, the element is um, life and death. That's the total picture life and death life manifests the whole works he says right at the beginning of this essay that i was talking about at the beginning life manifests the whole work but he also says right after that he says and death manifests the whole works so life and death together are manifesting the whole works and that is the whole works and that's our element that we're coursing in and um, that as Kokio pointed out, we have a sounding board out there that says, uh, great is the matter of life and death. That's what it says. Great is the matter of life and death. Awake, awake, don't waste time. That's, we don't have those words. <laughs> for some reason, on that sounding board. We just have the first sentence, but those are the other words that ought to be there. But they, when we make a new haunt, we'll put those other words on there. Awake, awake, don't waste time. So we, you know, we've been given this precious life, and we know we have a precious death you know, coming as part of that cycle, and that's the whole works. And so, you know, let's live, let's live with good 
understanding that that's where that's the whole picture and make good use of this life and be used by this life you know don't use a life be used by life do both use life be used by life that's the whole works so enough thank you very much Uh, do you have any uh, disagreements, comments, objections? Know the score of the basketball game? There. Don't say. I'm going home. Oh, don't say. Don't anybody say. <laughs> Larry. Oh, good. But, but not with oh. anything that's gone on right now. Thank you, Jim, for that talk. Very comprehensive, <laughs> yet very much pointed to this moment. Um, you were saying something about how uh, sometimes you'll You'll, you'll, you'll sit and, you know, the Dharma comes you know, wafting through your, your head and all of a sudden something will click in a way that you had not perceived it before. Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of happened to me as you were talking. I, 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 I struggle with the title, you know, Song of the, or uh, 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 Self-Receiving uh, Samadhi. Jujuyu Samai, self-receiving, self-fulfilling. I said, well, what does that mean, self-receiving, self-fulfilling? And it just struck me, I could be completely off, but it struck me that, you know, sometimes we read in in the text, small self, big S self. And I was focusing on small self, me, self receiving. What am I receiving in Samadhi? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it occurred to me that self-receiving, receiving, being in the midst of, is receiving the true self that comes to you. Uh, the true self being nothing other than the, than, than the, than the total works, than the whole works. So, so, um, so thank you for making that light bulb go off. And, uh, you can now comment and tell me, no, I'm off, which I'm fully prepared to accept. But that's the way it struck me right now. Well, my comment would be, I do have a comment, and my comment would be, uh, you're receiving the self of this moment. You're receiving the self as it is right now. And it may be, the if it's, you know, if it's the true self, you know, uh, the, 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 the self that always is, you know, understanding its enmeshment in, in uh, in the whole works, wonderful. But 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 don't you know turn your back on you know the self that is, you know, got some other agenda, you know. The and so don't receive that self too. Receive all selves. That's what I, you know. This is I think our practice is to receive all selves. 
And, and if the true self comes along, great, you know, that's really, that's fantastic. And, uh, and, and, and please, you know, give him my regards. <laughs> but, you know, I think, you know, you, you know this. I mean, you just receive what, what is, what, what is coming. And sometimes, you know, we sit meditation and what's coming is, uh, you know, worries or, or fears or uh, plans or, you know, various things. And so, but we just receive, just if that's what's coming, then we just receive that too. And, and uh, we don't say, you know, that's a, you know, an inferior quality of kind of my channel, my reception is bad, you know, we don't say, I got to get a better channel here. This is a terrible, you know, channel. I got it. I got too much static. No, you know, that, I mean, that you could do that. That's, that's something you can do too. You can try to tune, you know, tune, tune your channel a little bit. You can do that too. You, you know, the Zazen is really about freedom. You know, it's about freedom, but it has a it has a direction you know it does have a direction and and the direction is 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 toward you know awakening that's that's the direction so then you can decide well is this is this what's happening you know going in that direction or you know should i tune just a little bit you know uh and then you may and then you may but thank you for that good question and comment Uh, Zoom, have any comments? Don't see any? No? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a good talk. I just wanted to express appreciation for the uh, explanation of what true eternity still flows, because I pictured it as something like a fog, dry ice flowing. <laughs> I realized, uh-oh, it's the eternal now. It's not, it's mm. not anything like I was imagining. So, thank you. Mm. Uh, one thing I appreciated was the uh, in the midst of and the, the way that was related to ancestral, you know, energy too. Mm-hmm. That's something that I've been wrestling with is our mainstream culture doesn't really do much with that ancestral appreciation or or how do you feel that still alive in you? You may have some appreciation that things were done in the past and that helped, you know, this and that. And there's stuff about standing on the shoulders of giants. But it always kind of feels like past. Mm-hmm. And there was some really nice stuff of that that energy is in the boat too. That, that ancestral energy, which you say, buoys us up in our practice. Of course, when you bow to the, the long lineage and all that, there's some sense of that, but it can be still kind of abstract. You know, mm-hmm. the, there were these people who were very advanced and they did stuff and that helped the practice and it helped Buddhism and it helped Zen. But to really feel that in your body, that that, that ancestral energy is in the boat and it's in us. In, in Qigong, you know, we have practices that recognize um, primordial chi, that we wouldn't be standing here if we didn't have that ancestral chi that was passed on to us 
genetically, but it still can be kind of abstract. And there were things that you touched on there that helped me come to a deeper appreciation of that and understanding that. So I thank you. Well, that's a good point. I mean, to consider our ancestors as people who lived in China in the ninth century is kind of a leap. But in another way, it's a wonderful practice because it expands the range of our sympathies, right? And when I traveled to China, and by the end of being in China for two weeks, the range of my sympathy for the Chinese people was like hugely bigger than it ever had been before. I felt so much sympathy with them. And I don't mean sympathy in the sense of pity or anything like that. I just meant identity or being part of them and just appreciating their culture. And so that's, we have these ancient ancestors and we read stories about them. And after a while, you can really appreciate, you start to imagine the kind of culture they lived in and the kind of the monasteries that they lived in and what that was like. And it just expands the range of your circle. So one thing that we have been doing, trying to do a few times here is have a circle at the end, speaking of circles, at the end of our evening. So we kind of stand up in as big a circle as we can make and we include the people in the Zoom. And so why don't we chant out our closing chant and we can do that as a way of ending.